Welcome back to the All About Audiology podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Lilach Saperstein. And on this podcast, we discuss topics of audiology and how they apply to your life. We're not just talking about audiograms and hearing aids or X's and O's, but everything that goes along with the experience around audiology, whether it is yourself, someone you love, if you're a student of this profession or one of my colleagues, I welcome you to the podcast. And on today's episode, I'm joined by two very interesting gentlemen. And we are going to be hearing both from the user experience part of things and also a little bit about a nonprofit organization here in Israel that is doing a lot of work for families and patients around these topics. So today I'm joined by Oren Dvoskin who is a cochlear implant user and will share some of his journey and his story, as well as Damian Kelman, the CEO of Bakol, an organization here in Israel. So welcome, Oren, and hello, Damian. Welcome to the show. So I want to start with you, Oren, and get a little bit of your background and just a little bit of who you are. Well, thanks for that, Lilacht. Um, I always say they have a bit of an ironic story with uh, hearing impairment. Um, my mom's a special ed teacher. And as, as a young child, she decided to send uh, myself and my sister to a very unique kindergarten that had a class of both uh, hearing impaired kids and uh, normal hearing kids. And I belonged to the normal hearing kids uh, at the time. Uh, my hearing loss was first found uh, only in junior high school. So long story, I was born in Omaha, Nebraska, we moved to Israel, then moved back to state. So I had a hearing test in junior high and it came out with a mild hearing loss. Now that would have lit up a lot of whistles and bells, but apparently not at the time. And even not when I had a special ed mom, uh, we moved back to Israel. I you know years went on, I entered high school and starting failing miserably we started checking what was going on, and then we, someone remembered that I had a hearing loss. We did a hearing test again, and I'll never forget the uh, faith, look on the face of my ENT doctor when he saw the results. And basically, two weeks afterwards, I started using my first set of hearing aids. Although, unfortunately, my hearing kept on deteriorating from then, and I reached a level of profound deafness around the age of 30 uh, when I got my first cochlear implant. And then a second, and then a third, since one of them failed. Oh, boy. Okay, we're going to get into yeah. all of that. That's such a great story. I First of all, I want to say I relate to you on the moving back and forth because my parents are Israeli, and then we lived in different countries in South America and then in, in the States. And then now I live back here, now with my husband and kids. So it's like always the ping pong, uh, the third culture or international all of that, the languages, so I relate to that. And, uh, and I'm, I'm curious about, you mentioned that you had that first mild diagnosis, but no one took it really seriously. Did you feel at the time that you were having any trouble hearing or that you were missing things or that's just how it was for you so you didn't really notice it or affect you in any way? Well, in retrospect, I absolutely knew I had a hearing loss. I suffered from tinnitus basically from the age I could remember myself. I used to have these tinnitus outbreaks and I used to go and hide under some 
table in our living room in my parents' house. Um, and also in retrospect, uh, I was always this astronaut kid. I remember even back as first and second grade when a teacher would ask me a question, I would never know what was going on. And I thought, you know, that's how things are. Um, and, you know, as many other hearing impaired people, I was able to develop all kinds of tactics um, and have my processor in my head uh, work over time, you know, to, to cope through things um, until it became really too much. Yeah. And as your hearing also was, was deteriorating over that time. And I, I always just say this for every, everyone who's listening, that any amount of hearing loss, even mild, which seems mild, not a big deal, actually can have a lot of implications on someone's functioning. So that's a question we get a lot from parents who say, oh, it's maybe not so much. They could hear most of the time, but it really can have a lot of effects socially, academically. So, you know, and even personality, like you're saying, that you were a little spaced out, not paying attention, not on the ball. So, you know, definitely recommend taking a look at that no matter what's going on. Yeah, I mean, hearing loss is really tricky. You never know what you're missing. Uh, it takes also a lot of confidence uh, to be able to function in that environment where you're not really sure of what's going on, um, you know, and all kinds of tactics. Uh, and, you know, and understand that life is a balancing act and that you have to keep on top of, especially when my hearing loss was degrading, to keep on top of the changes. And, you know, every few years I had to, um, to cope with things uh, anew. And you talked about, you know, how audiology isn't all about X's and O's. And I completely agree with that. The, the most, you know, the audiologists that had the most uh, profound effect on my life were the ones that were a companion, that were able to hold up a mirror in front of me and say, Oren, this is what's going on. Uh, this is what you have to do. You know, if it's a cochlear implant, then yeah, you should really go for that. You know, you're having a really tough time. I'm looking at the wear and tear on your FM system, which means you're probably overusing it and it's uh, time to, to go on. Yeah. And that also is telling me that you, once you had those hearing aids and you had an FM system, you already were doing everything, you know, devices and accessories and trying to do all the communication strategies to try and communicate as best as you could. So tell me a little about that process of coming to the cochlear implant, learning about it and deciding that was for your next step. Well, you know, like I said, it, it was not an ongoing process of, of, of coping, you know, basically exhausting the current strategies before moving on. Um, and I think it's more of a process, like you said, on personality and coping wise. So I've been able to do interesting things in life, like volunteer to, the, to, to become an officer in the Israeli army. But every stage required an adaptation also of my hearing. So with the cochlear implant, I think I was clinging on as long as I could to my hearing. Um, at the time, I was 30. Uh, well, that's almost 20 years ago. And there wasn't that much of an experience, at least not in Israel, with um, uh, late onset, uh, you know, progressive hearing loss adults. Uh, and the few stories that I, were, I was hearing was just too good to be true. Um, 
on one hand. And on the other, I had enough functional hearing that I'd actually call the clinic with my mobile phone to set an appointment. And they'd be like, hey, Oren, uh, so you want to set a call for an assessment? I'm like, right. Um, so so how, how are you calling me? I said, yeah, with my mobile phone. So like, you know, sir, call us, uh, call us again in half a year because your hearing is too good. So that took a while. And I think the decision to go in then for the implant uh, had, had a lot of um, apprehension. Um, I even went, went through some consulting around that. And it just changed my life. I mean, that's a whole different uh, podcast that I'm sure you've already talked about. Oh, but I'd love to hear your, your take on it as well. Um, I think, you know, just on the comment of what you said that you called and they're like, you hear too well. Now, even, I don't know about then, but for sure now, the cochlear implant is not only for completely profound hearing loss across all the frequencies. There are hybrid models and the cochlear implant can actually be very beneficial for lots of different patients with different hearing losses. So I think that, you know, that's not true anymore, that it, even if you can succeed at having a phone conversation, that doesn't take away from other communication challenges around high frequencies and things like that. So again, I just have to put on my audiology hat and put that out there, you know, that getting a, uh, an evaluation is just getting an evaluation to see what your hearing is, what your status is, are you a, a candidate or not, and what the options are. So, you know, it's not a decision just to go in for that if anyone is at that stage. And you also mentioned about how adults is a whole different story. There's so much focus on kids, on babies, and on, on helping that population. But there's so much room also for adults. Um, and, and that's, I think we're going to turn to Damien a little bit and hear a little more about what Bacol does. So welcome, Damien. Hello, everyone. It's a pleasure to be here with you. Uh, so for your followers, probably not in Israel, let's just say that according to the Israeli Central Bureau of Statistics, approximately 700,000 Israelis are coping with hearing loss. And of course, it's a phenomenon that's more common among, among older adults. I mean, in Israel, as in the rest of the Western world, at least, every third person over the age of 65 and every second person over the age of 75 is hard of hearing. And hearing loss, as you for sure know, and I guess your followers as well, uh, hearing loss severely hinders your ability to communicate with the surroundings, increases the chances for dementia, causes frustration, and all, all kinds of others, other consequences that come along with it. Uh, and basically what Bacol does is promote optimal hearing rehabilitation to reduce this phenomenon. Uh, for the last two decades and more, uh, Bacol has been improving people, people with hearing disabilities quality of life and welfare, empowering them, facilitating their integration to the general society uh, in in an independent way and, uh, and advocating for the rights, basically. Uh, and Bacol is a leader, is considered a leader in Israel among nonprofit organizations in uh, all the field of hearing rehabilitation for people 18 and onwards. Um, let's just say that Bacol's activity has a wide impact in all fields of society, 
delivered by a broad range of programs and services that include public awareness campaigns, diagnosing hearing loss, guidance and consultation, uh, support and job placement, promoting an accessible public space and accessibility in general, and all kinds of services that we offer, either people dealing with hearing loss, their families, or even, um, even uh, caretakers and all kinds of people just providing services that need to know how to interact with people with hearing loss in a more effective way. Wow. So thank you both for, for all that information. And I know that uh, the majority of the listeners of the podcast are actually, there is no majority. They're all over the world. My stats is like, it lights up the whole map. I love every single one of you listeners. And from all the countries around in Asia, in Europe, in Africa, in South America, North America, you know, everywhere, basically. I don't think there's any scientists in Antarctica listening to the podcast just yet. But uh, basically, the listeners are international. And I want to, I wanted to spotlight this, you know, with the work that you are doing and the experience that you've had, Oren, with an organization and what a big difference it can make, not only for the personal experience of the people who are involved, but how you are then making lasting, impactful change on systems, healthcare advocacy and, and laws and legislation, like you mentioned. So wherever you are in the world listening to this, check out your local organizations and see what's happening and how to get involved and what you can get and what you can give. That's, that's the power of, of this kind of community. So that's, that's incredible. Yeah, no, I mean, it worked both ways. I, I absolutely get it. And it, it gave me the shivers to hear you talk about your personal experience as well, because that exactly that is exactly what we, what we do at Becol. I mean, we fight for the, for the rights of people with hearing loss and with hearing impairments in all kinds of environments, including the academic field. I want to, want to make sure you get the most of, out of the things we've we've accomplished. I mean... If you're, if you're going to be using uh, the different services you're entitled to in the good way, I mean, and you're eligible to, either if it's cochlear implants or hearing aids or uh, accessibility services, that is the whole story of Becol. That's what we are, we are there for. Uh, and actually, we understand, and, and I guess uh, everyone with an interest in audiology understands as well, that you shouldn't work harder than you have to. I mean, if there is technology and there is services allowing you to make the most out of your experience and to get a starting point on equality of opportunities from the best place we can provide, I mean, you should use them. Yeah, I'd like to say, um, yeah, so so that that is a lot and be called as impressive stuff, but I wanted to share from my personal perspective, maybe not, that much as because, but as you know, we talked until now about technology, about cochlear implants, about FM systems, right? But in the end, there's there's a person that's coping with all of that, and and part of being a person with hearing impairment is you need that support. So I've been a member of Bicol since the day it was founded. I used to be a board member of Bicol for several years. And, and my experience with Bacol was, first of all, that it was my first touching point with other hearing impaired people. I barely met anyone else with a hearing loss beforehand. 
And the first few years when I was, um, uh, you know, hanging around Bicol were probably my best years socially. I suddenly had lots of friends and we used to go out to parties and we used to go out together. Uh, you know, I felt like, you know, a plant needs to have, um, or a tree needs to have roots in the right place in order to bloom. And that's one of the things that I found in Bicol. From then it also progressed. And so when I met my partner, who's now my wife, then we went to one of um, Bicol's courses that they organize. Uh, it's a, an immersive uh, course about coping with hearing loss from all kinds of uh, different aspects. Um, Bicol was, one also, was also one of the first places that I heard about the cochlear implant through a lecture. Um, and they hold these amazing uh, uh, events. So they have this sing-along event for hearing impaired individuals, right? So, you know, uh, people with hearing loss sometimes are afraid of singing because, you know, it sounds all messed up and they're not familiar with the, with the words and the song. So Nicole holds this event that's a sing-along uh, that, that's accessible for, for people with uh, hearing impairments that have balloons in the audience and, of course, captions. Uh, so it really empowers people. And this is on the personal side, but also on the advocacy side, the organization has done amazing things. I paid for my first cochlear implant. It wasn't in the Israeli health basket yet. And because of the calls, uh, you know, fight to uh, improve legislation, uh, then my second hearing impairment was uh, financed by the Israeli healthcare systems. There's now captions, mandatory captions and all TV systems. They're, they've now helped in reducing the cost for hearing aids. Um, they've, they've passed extremely important accessibility laws. So um, I, I, I'm, you know, it's maybe uh, contrary to being hearing impaired, but I'm the head of marketing at a cybersecurity company, right? Most of my day, I hold calls just like these, speaking with people from all over the world. And I'm using now an accessory device that I received through the workplace and lots of other accessory device, devices. And one of the reasons I could receive that was through advocacy from the court. So that's just a bit of, you know, of examples uh, from this very wide uh, breadth of activities that uh, Damien described. Yeah. We also have so many parents who listen to the show who have young children, babies, they're just learning or they've been dealing for the first, less, you know, last several years with their babies and children. And they often have this question of what will my child's opportunities be? Will they have friends? And what about identity? And all these questions that parents have in general, but specifically in this topic about when we worry about our kids. And I think it's so important to hear that, that maybe the thing you're afraid of is actually their ticket for connection and community and friendship and going to advocacy workshops with your, with your wife. <laughs> I love that. That's, it's something. Yeah. I, 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 I totally agree. I mean, like advocacy, especially for cochlear implants. So Basically, after I got my first CI, I sort of, uh, you know, um, how do you say, uh, I sort of bootstrap cochlear implant advocacy in Israel, right? So in the States, yeah, it's very well organized, maybe too organized, right? 
by the uh, different uh, CI companies. But in Israel, you know, we got along on our own uh, and then were helped by organizations like Bekol. And I even found myself, you know, with just this international flavor that you talked about, I found myself consulting to Cochlear Europe on how they could jumpstart CI advocacy in different regions around the world. And one of the important components of doing that is teaming up with local NGOs uh, like Bicol, you know, that would exist in uh, different places. Um, and, and, you know, there are lots of other stuff. I, I participated a few years ago uh, in the Deaf Olympics um, in the road cycling events, right? So a totally different community experience, uh, gathering people from all over the world. Uh, so my experience as, as an individual with a, hearing lo- with a hearing loss is that you have to connect to those communities. It gives you so much uh, empowerment, um, you know, to cope with your daily life. Uh, yeah, I was just speaking to a student who mentioned that, that an university student, that she didn't want to go to the Office of Disabilities and get transcription in the classes or, you know, preferential seating or whatever else she could get. Well, that's not relevant this semester and this year online. But anyway, captioning for Zoom, all the things that she was eligible for, and she didn't want to do it because she was so embarrassed and she was worried that it was going to affect the perception of the teachers on how they should treat her. And we had a conversation about the, the teachers will have a perception that you missed the question, that you didn't, that you're not participating, that you don't know what's going on. That's going to be their perception without it. And when you do disclose this and get the help, it will be a different conversation, more in your benefit. So, yeah, we have that, that conversation a lot. And I'm, I'm interested. Yes, please. Yeah, I want to add on that, that I think you have to have a really positive, even combative approach, right? So... Look, it took me twice to finish the Israeli officers course, uh, the Israeli army officers course. Um, it, it took me, you know, several, a couple of years extra to finish my BA degree. And I sometimes still wake up in the middle of the night because, you know, dreaming that someone audited their grading systems and found out that I actually did skip several courses. Um, and, and in every step along that line, I unashamedly did the maximum I could um, leveraging, you know, organizations like the Cold and other organizations to get whatever shortcut and whatever benefit that I could just to get a slightly better starting point in whatever path I chose, right? So people that have a hearing loss, it's harder, it might take twice as long, you might fail more, you know, so you have to use every resource that you can um, and even maybe be, have some chutzpah in doing that in order to succeed sometimes just as much as, you know, as your regular hearing impaired people. And don't be ashamed about that, right? So Bekol and Damien, they're, they're partners of yours. Find how they can help. Be, be very diligent about that. I remember the the quote that we say sometimes for kids is that your child should have the opportunity to ignore you on purpose, (laughs) that they should hear you enough to say, I'm not listening. Okay, so I have one question for for you, Damien, as well, uh, about the organization. 
a lot in this world in the conversation we have here on the podcast often about deaf culture and deaf identity and sign language as a modality of communication and community. Uh, in what ways do you see collaboration? I'll, I'll, I'll say the, yeah, I'll say the only disadvantage, sorry, Damien. I'll say the only disadvantage about doing, of doing that is that it's harder afterwards to skip classes. So, or, or if the teacher is used to you handing over the FM and sitting in the front row and you're not there, you know, they say, hey, oh, and I, 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 I wore my, you know, my shirt that had the place to put the FM, you, you weren't here today. On the other hand, you know, if there's a class that does have mandatory participation, then you can say, nah, that's too hard for someone with a hearing loss. I need to be able to, um, to chill out once in a while, right? So, so sorry, sorry, Damien, go ahead. Yeah, I'd like to add that also from my personal perspective uh, as a hearing person and from the calls perspective, uh, I mean, it, it's super important people are able to fulfill their potential and live their life the way they choose to. And that's one of the reasons we work for all kinds of accessibility means in all kinds of different channels, let's say. Uh, you know, because started its path as the organization for hard of hearing people in Israel and in deafening people in Israel, and it is uh, it is the Israeli representative of that group of people for different international organizations and forums, including the World Health Organization. But for several years, Bekol has included in its agenda working towards accessibility and equality of opportunities for all kinds of different deaf and indefinite and hard of hearing people, either if it's by sign language and accessibility in translation into sign language and captions and all different kinds of accessibility means. I think you asked maybe about um, deaf versus hearing impaired. Yeah, so I had this really amazing story um, since I represented Israel in the Summer Deaf Olympics 2013 in the uh, road cycling events. Um, yeah, I, I don't speak sign language. Uh, I tried learning a bit, but you know, I forgot. Um, and and I, it was very interesting because I found myself at a disadvantage point there. That was one thing. First of all, because you have to disconnect everything, you know, all of your hearing devices. And I, without the implants, I can't hear anything at all. So my coach would have to write to me on, on this like chalkboard uh, instructions. And then one of the really funny events I had uh, was in the closing ceremony. I started walking around and I met an athlete from Saudi Arabia and he ran up to me all signing and happy and, and, and all. And, you know, he's asking me in sign language, uh, you know, where am I from? And I knew how to answer that. I said, Israel. Which is which is a sign of a beard, like uh, a long beard of uh, of you know like Herzl, and he's like you know sign, signing the beard, you know Israel, yeah, cool, and signing great, and then he he kept on speaking and speaking, and I said, wait, 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 I I I don't speak sign language. I tried signing, and he sort of looked at me, and he said, oh, he said, are you are you um, are you hearing impaired? And then he signed hearing impaired. And I said, yes. And I said, and you're, you're not deaf. And I said, yes. 
And he said, and you don't speak sign language? And I said, no. So he said, go, go away. And then I found myself uh, sitting on the sidewalk with um, some of the Japanese athletes because apparently they have a completely different uh, sign language system and they couldn't find anybody else to talk to but besides them. So I joined the uh, Japanese group. It was, it was an amazing experience. Um, yeah, and you know, I, I, I sometimes, you know, I visit the States and sometimes when I visit the States, I sometimes feel that I'm not politically correct uh, that I don't sign. You know, people see the implants and, and I walk up to, I don't know, Starbucks and then the cashier starts signing and, and I'm like, whoa, you know. Uh, so, so it's unfortunate that I haven't learned, you know, um, uh, haven't learned it, but uh, I think the, the balance, nevertheless, of connecting with your hearing impairment uh, is extremely important. Definitely. So I just wanted to go back a minute to, you know, what we were talking about, identity and, and with that spectrum of the uh, deaf and hard of hearing and hearing impaired experience. In fact, there's a lot of pushback many times when you even use the expression hearing impaired because people will say that's ableist and now you're saying there's a problem, there's an impairment, even hearing loss, that there's a loss here, you know, this is a medical model. But I, I kind of, you know, always want to just listen to everyone who comes from wherever they're coming from. If people say this is my cultural identity, the language that's in my home and community, and there is a very strong deaf identity, then that's one experience. And if someone was a late deafened adult, that's a totally different experience. Someone has high frequency hearing loss, someone has low frequency hearing loss, you know, from mild to profound. That's why I think that the audiology world, the experience is so varied. And we have to move away from some of the shaming on both sides of, you know, if you sign, you're abusing your child. If you don't do a cochlear implant, you're abusing your child. Like what? Everyone calm down. <laughs> we want to know what the options are and then do what's right for you, for your, for your family. And I really appreciate that you shared so openly, Oren, about that experience of being isolated and, um, excluded in that context and and uh, you know the other experiences of being embraced so everyone has to find their place in life in every context so this is this is one of those things that i i hope to bring with the podcast a little more acceptance inclusion and calm down about the terms like <laughs> that's that's something that's a goal for me and yeah i'm i'm really hopeful that there will be more efforts for accessibility. Uh, one of the big stories that is, is always about Zoom and are they going to provide the automatic captioning or not? Are they gonna provide that at a cost or is it gonna be free for everyone? This is one of those uh, topics that I've been following this story. So I think I think the whole, from every perspective, people are kind of uh, trying to do as much as they can to help and, and see how life can be more connection, more conversation, more relationships, because that's the ultimate goal. So I'm so grateful to have you today. And if you have any advice, I'd like, you know, advice from Oren and then advice from Damien for any of our listeners about, you know, the world of audiology, wherever they are. <laughs> one, one of the things that's also very unique about Nicole is that it was founded by 
and for many years managed uh, by, also on, on by the board of directors and their, their upper management by hearing impaired individuals. Uh, so the first three founders were hearing impaired. Their CEO, their first two CEOs uh, were hearing impaired individuals. For many years, you would never see anyone, you, all, all the board members would be hearing impaired individuals. So it's very... Yeah. Up until oh, okay. this day, sorry for interrupting. I mean, because chairperson and all board members are hearing impaired people, members of the organization, because we should probably add that because is uh, an organization of members, first and foremost. Yeah, so it's, so it's a self-help uh, organization. Uh, one of our board members is also actually my CI surgeon, uh, Professor Michal Luntz. Uh, who's also a bilateral CI user. Um, however, you know, the landscape progresses and our last, the last two CEOs of the call have been professional. So uh, um, Damien's uh, predecessor, Vardit, and now Damien are professional CEOs. Uh, and, you know, and we see that the landscape is still becoming more challenging, especially now with uh, COVID. Uh, Bikol, like many other NGOs, you know, not just in Israel, but around the world, actually operate different projects for governments uh, or operate projects that depended a lot on uh, having a uh, face-to-face audience. Uh, so, so that has uh, also created challenges for the organization on one hand. And on the other, I can share that you know, someone with a hearing loss, COVID has been tough, right? Uh, suddenly everyone is wearing masks, uh, so it's hard to lip read. Everyone is using Zoom, and suddenly there aren't captions in Zoom. So there's still a lot of advocacy that needs to be done. People are feeling alone during the pandemic, coping with their hearing loss alone. And then services from organizations like Be Called are much more needed, but on the other hand, uh, like everybody else, they've been impacted um, dramatically by the situation. Um, now, as a longtime board member, I can say that the court has always uh, managed itself uh, financially very, very well. Um, but, you know, these times uh, are challenging. We've been able to work through uh, 2020 very well, but now have reached a decision that we need some help. So uh, we've launched um, a crowdfunding campaign. Um, you know, I'm, I'm uh, again from marketing and a cybersecurity company. So I started telling, you know, Damien, hey, we should do some crowdfunding. And uh, it, I saw another organization that it, it worked well. And I, so I, I sort of helped push them to that. You know, saying, hey, you know, at least we'll return the investment. And so far, it, it's been a, an impressive success. Mm-hmm. And yet we need, we need as much help as we might get, because as Soren said, the needs on the ground are only increasing, and COVID-19 has a big part for that, for sure. Challenges and difficulties have been going all over the roof. And... And we've also had to adapt our programs and services to the new reality, to the new normal. I mean, the hearing out loud courses because provides that Oren was mentioning before 
have entirely moved to the uh, the Zoom uh, the Zoom environment and all kinds of different services uh, of guidance we provide has also moved mostly to to the, the cybernetics sphere and we definitely need as much help as we may get as we can get for next years to keep providing because we understand the situation is not going back to what we knew before not only in the matters of the pandemic but also in the matters of the political crisis we're facing in israel i mean people over the world probably don't know but we've been through a year without a government budget and that makes things very difficult for organizations like us providing the government with services that they uh, they enable others other other providers to to do because you know basically they need the organizations to be there in the ground and helping people throughout their their needs the previous challenges and the new ones that we've dealt with in the last few months because of the pandemic so thanks for that Lilach. i think that on this call I think, I think this call is very interesting since we have four different partners here. We have you as a professional. We have Damien as part of a support organization. I have me as the user. And we have technology on the call. And every person needs to find the right balance of what works for them for optimizing all these parts in order to achieve whatever you want to achieve. Lilach, uh, as, as a care provider, everyone else who's listening on this call, please get out of your box, get out of your element, uh, get out of your comfort zone. You are so significant in holding a mirror in front of your uh, patients and showing them where they can go to and taking them along that path. Um, a hearing aid, to work well doesn't have to be tuned perfectly. It has to help. It doesn't always have to, you know, catch all the sounds. Damien uh, from Bicol, you saw how we just, in this conversation, how organizations like these can connect the dots and empower people. So you have to understand that you're, you know, you're doing lots of activities, but then look at the needs of these specific people, what they need and what they want from you and work together. And as myself, as a user, my personal approach was to always make the most out of the technology, but I could never do that without the help of you guys on this call. So it's all about a synergy and working together. And in times like these during COVID, please do reach out and help your local organizations. It's extremely important. Absolutely, and I want to relate to, to what Orin was mentioning. Um, one thing we've learned, especially during the last few months, is that it takes a lot of raising awareness among the general public as well. I mean, and that's that's something we can all do from our different angles and perspective. So if you're in this world of hearing loss and audiology, you can probably put out the message of how we can, all of us, and uh, relate in a way that's more effective in matters of communication. Let's start with the basic, the most basic, to allow people to understand what you have to say, to provide an environment that, su that supports the possibility of listening or getting the message with the technology, without the technology. 
we all have learned the hard way the last few months how badly a situation which is medical in the first place but urges all of us to wear masks uh, in a moment turns the reality backwards for people using technology even years and decades so it's our responsibility all of us to make the most to enable communication the way in each and every way we can thank you damien so we are going to have a link to your crowdfunding campaign in the show notes as well as a full transcript of today's conversation as with all the podcast episodes. So I'm so grateful to both of you for joining us on the podcast today. And if people want to reach out to you or be in touch, I think you're both on LinkedIn. Is there anywhere else you want me, you would like to be linked anywhere? Instagram, that's where I hang out. Yeah, I'll be glad to be contacted uh, on LinkedIn uh, or email that you can publish my email in the show notes. I'm always glad to, you know, help or Facebook. I'm always glad to, to speak with other adults uh, or, or parents of children. I, you know, I'm busy, but I'm always glad to help and even uh, for a, a short word. So please do reach out. Mm -hmm. And uh, as for the call, you can either Google us or just uh, email me directly via LinkedIn or directly by email, Facebook works as well, whatever is comfortable for you. Excellent. So I will have all that linked in the show notes. Thank you so much for being a listener of the All About Audiology podcast. If you can leave a review on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcast, that is so, so appreciated. And like I mentioned, I do hang out on Instagram at All About Audiology podcast, and I am loving when you tag me, when you tell me you're listening. I recently had a, um, a listener from Australia who said she had a four hour drive and she listened to like four episodes back to back. So thank you for listening, Genevieve. And I would love to hear from you. And thank you for listening. This is the All About Audiology podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Lilach Saperstein. <music>